Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. How how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And part of what we want you to think about this afternoon is what could your role be in that? You might be a person here from a mission agency. You might be a person from a church. And you might be someone sitting here and this might be your first step into thinking about mission, into thinking about short-term mission, and into thinking as to how you could be involved or how you might be involved. So our prayer as a committee is just that you'll all be here with hearts that are really open and hearts that say to God, what is it that you want me to do? The programme this afternoon is varied and different and there's a lot of people taking part in it. So I'm going to get out of the way and without further ado, hand over to Mark. We have a cup of coffee for everybody in the middle and it's out at the back. Uh, So please, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you feel inspired and I hope that we give you something to really think about in relation to short-term mission. Thank you. Good afternoon, folks. My name's Mark Welsh, and I am one of those who has the privilege now of calling Shirley one of my former friends. Um, I find myself standing at, at the front here going, Shirley, what on earth's going on? We know exactly what's going on. We're here to listen to what God has to say to us about short-term mission. My current role is with an organization, as you'll see from the, the, the screen, called InterServe, but Shirley has asked me before I I share something about the work of InterServe, to continue to put this afternoon into some sort of context. Because even in the next hour, hour and a bit, you will hear folks who represent different agencies. If you go across to the halls later this evening, and even as you listen to speakers over the course of the week, you will hear folks who are working in different parts of the world, who have different burdens on their hearts and their souls for different people groups or for particular aspects of mission work. And particularly when you go across to the main hall, there can be very much that sense of there's, we're, in the, we're in some sort of competition here, where there's lots of banners where, where everybody's you know, seeming to entice you with their free pen or their free mug or, or offering this, that, and the other. Please, can I encourage you, right at the beginning of, of this main week of the Bangor Worldwide, if, if that's what you're thinking and if that's your approach to this, please take that right out of your head. Knock that one in the head right at the very beginning. You'll see there's a little bit of a theme going to run through this afternoon. Shirley has shared from Romans 10. Let me just share a few words from Romans 12 that are actually taken from this banner that's up behind us here. In Romans 12, we talk about the body of Christ. If you think of the global body of Christ stretching right across the world, each of us is part of that body if we've given our lives to Christ. We're working in a particular organ in that body if you are part of a local congregation here. You're working in a different organ in the body if you're working in Asia, if you're working in Africa, if you're working in the Arab world. 
And so what we would rather you think of today is not as this as a competition, but rather as a way of, of openly asking God, which organ in your global body do you want me to be part of? You might have me in this particular organ at this particular moment in time, but actually you have created me as, as a cell within the body. You've given me a particular shape. You've given me particular gifts. You've given me particular heart and passion. Lord, where do you want me to use that? And it might well still be here in a local congregational context, encouraging others for mission. But equally, by the end of this week, you might have had that still small voice just niggling away. I want you to serve me, not in the organ in Bangor, but in an organ that works in Kathmandu, in wherever. Let me introduce you to InterServe. And I'm going to introduce InterServe in such a way that actually, almost by answering a number of questions, and again, as you ask God this week, which organ do you want me to be part of? I would encourage you to be asking these same questions of every stand that you visit or every speaker that you listen to if you sense maybe this is the organization, the organization that God's calling me to be part of. Do you know I just made that up there now? It was good. <laughs> There's obviously a sign. InterServe. InterServe is an international organization, and to be honest, we don't like the word organization. We much prefer the idea of InterServe as a fellowship. It's a family. It's made up of, at the moment, somewhere around a thousand different personnel of various ages, from the youngest child to the, to, the, to the oldest partner, working in a whole variety of countries that I'll talk about in a moment, but drawn from 20 to 30 different nationalities. It's interdenominational, and it's very much intercontinental in terms of the draw of its, of its, of its partner base. So if you're wanting to be part of an organization that is drawn from one particular people group, then this ain't us, or this isn't the organization for you. In terms of our structure, though, we are organized through a variety of different national offices, of which InterServe Scotland and Ireland, that I'm the mission mobilizer for, is one of those national offices. But one of the things that we have in common is we are looking for people who are saying, actually, God, I'm prepared to put the comfort of working in the West or the comfort of living in Bangor or Newton Ards or wherever in Nurnarn you happen to might be from, and Lord, I'm prepared to be sacrificial and go and work in some of the hard places. In terms of the countries that we work in, a lot of those places we can say where they are. For instance, Nepal. But there's a lot of the places actually our country teams are actually named after, yeah, some random geographical feature because actually they're too hard for us to actually say where those folks are. And many of the rest of you here will either have been part of organizations or are part of organizations where that's exactly the same. If you were to ask an inter-server where they work, let me put it slightly differently. If you're thinking of going overseas, who do you want your neighbor to be? Not so much where do you work, because that's just a geographical spot on a map, but who do you want your neighbor to be? Because we're called to love our neighbor. Who's God calling you to love? For inter-servers, probably the best description in terms of who their neighbors are is to look at this particular map. It's produced by the Joshua Project. It looks at the progress of the gospel by people group. And there's a huge swathe of red there right across the middle. What many of us here will know is the 1040 window, 10 degrees above the equator to 40 degrees above the equator. And within that region, 
that red swathe encompasses the majority of folk who have not yet heard the gospel, the least reached or the unreached people groups. The 35 or so countries in that region, that's where you will find interservers. Their neighbors are from Nepal, their neighbors are from India, their neighbors are from Kazakhstan, from Yemen, from Saudi, from Syria, from Kurdistan. The reality of the world that we live in is one where the people of Asia and the Arab world, and that's how we sort of define it in, in, in its simplest way for interserve, the people of the Asia and the Arab world no longer necessarily live in Asia and the Arab world. With migration patterns, we have huge numbers now of diaspora communities in America, in Australia, in the UK and Ireland. And so we have various country teams that don't operate in Asia and the Arab world, but still operate with the people of Asia and the Arab world in, for instance, in this particular couple's case within the UK. So perhaps God's calling you to have somebody from Asia and the Arab world as your neighbor, but perhaps through family circumstances, through health issues, you don't necessarily have the ability to be able to up sticks here and go to wherever it might be a stand. But perhaps you could work locally, such as Helen from Strand Presbyterian in East Belfast, who's now working in Birmingham with her husband, Dave, who have moved to live in a small terraced house where all their neighbors are from Yemen or Pakistan or Bangladesh. Is that where God could be calling you to serve him? Is that the organ that he wants you to be part of? If our neighbors and interserve are the people of Asia and the Arab world, what do we want to do as we love our neighbors? What does it mean to actually express that love? Well, very simply, we want to make a difference. We don't just see people as spiritual beings. We see the whole person. Christ came, John chapter 10, I've come that you might have life in all of its fullness. So we want to make a difference physically, mentally, emotionally, in terms of community development. That's all part and parcel of InterServe's work. But actually, we don't just want to make a difference in terms of the physical need or the mental need or the societal need. We want to bring real hope to real people, and so we want to make a difference spiritually as well. And everything that we do is underpinned by the fact that we do it because God loves these people and wants them to come in to an eternal relationship with Him. So they don't just know short-term physical benefit, but they know actually eternal life. If you would like to partner with us, what are the opportunities that there might be? I've told you something of the neighbors that you might have. I've told you something of the heart for InterServe in terms of how it works itself out. But what does it actually mean to partner? If you're interested in finding out more about that partnership, there are three little books. One reminding us that this is all about God's big idea. And you can tease out more about what it means to work holistically or through integral mission. You can look at what it means to work with the church. Everything we do is done through the church. We don't have our own schools. We don't have our own hospitals. We don't have our own engineering works. It's all done through the local church. And perhaps you're sitting there as somebody who's taken an afternoon off your business. You think, actually, I have particular skills in business that I can bring and employ. Again, a little booklet that says a little bit more about us as, as an organization. I'm not going to focus on the long-term stuff. Let me focus on our short-term program. It's called On Track, Short-Term Mission, Long-Term Impact. And if you go out as an on-tracker, we won't actually recognize you as an on-tracker. We'll just simply recognize you as part of the InterServe organ because you're there for the length of time that God called you to be there. 
and you'll slot into a particular team. But because it's short-term, what we do do is take very seriously the care that we have of our personnel, both long-term but also short-term. And InterServe, like a number of other agencies here, subscribes to the Global Connections, that umbrella body in the UK for mission agencies, their code of practice or best practice for short-term mission. What we don't have, though, as an organisation in terms of short-term opportunities is a fixed programme. We don't start with programs and we don't start with processes, we start with people. So it's not an organization that you slot into, it's about people and a fellowship. And so we say, who are you? Because you come to us as a blank page. We say, well, tell us about you. What are the things that God has led in your heart? Who do you think God's calling you to work with? And what we do try to do is we seek to tailor a particular placement for you that meets your journey and fits in with your journey and the gifts and the skills that God has given you. And so what we're looking at is we're looking at folks and we're saying to you, what's the vision that God has given you? How has God equipped you already? Where do you think he's calling you to be engaged in in mission? And, and actually, as you're engaged perhaps with us, how can we then take you further in that journey? And how can we further envision you? And how can we further equip you so that actually somewhere further down the line, God's actually going to engage you in a different way or maybe with us in a, in, in, in a different location? And so what we're looking at is a discipleship making. Taking folks who have grasped the fact that God says, I, I, I want you to go as my disciples and, and make other disciples right across this world. And we want to help you build in that vision and grasp a vision for what InterServe is about and for what God's doing in the InterServe world. And we want to equip you, and we want to give you the opportunities for engagement. Let me put some faces instead of that blank face, just to give you some examples of what that might look like. Judith. Judith is literally just back from Nepal. She's a member of Lisbon Free Presbyterian. She's one of our on-trackers, and she's done a medical elective. Six weeks working in the hospital in Tansen, doing bits of surgery that she would never get a chance to do in the Ulster Hospital. Although with staffing shortages, that may still be a possibility. <laughs> Big part of Judith's program is not just going out to do a medical elective, but it's working alongside partners and building her understanding of what God is doing. We had two guys came back from the same hospital last year who, who, who went out going, I'm not sure if we were going to really be able to contribute to mission. And they came back saying, you know, we didn't necessarily contribute to mission, but boy, do we have an understanding of the importance of long-term relationships and long-term mission now. We've built their vision. Grace, Grace who went out for slightly longer. Grace who went out for a full year. Grace had just qualified in law. Her speciality was international law and, and community development. And, and Grace worked alongside a trade union, trade union for teachers who were oppressed and, and very much put down for by, by the government in Cambodia. And she sought to provide, provide them with rights in order that actually the standard of education could rise within that particular country for the benefit of the whole people. Not just single girls, as it would appear from the first two slides, couples we take. James and Sarah, members of Carubbers, that's in Scotland, it's, it's, it's InterServe Scotland and Ireland that I represent, but James is actually originally from Kells Presbyterian up near Valaminahai. Served in Thailand, did that whole process, got the vision, got equipped, got engaged. And now actually the two of them are literally about to go back to Thailand again, having got that vision and gone out long term, having a now heart and a desire to work with the people of Thailand. The plus one is the fact that they've now just had a wee three-year-old baby, or three-week-old baby. 
and they'll go back at the appropriate time. So often though, when we think of short-term mission, we think of, of people taking gap years from university or from study. That's not the case. People going out short-term actually have a huge amount to bring if they have their professional skills, and those are well-honed and well-thrashed out and well-thought through. Frank Green from Scotland, what we call on-track returning professional. We've also got on-track consultants as well as the, the one-year or two-year program or six-week program. Folks who say, actually, do you know, I can't go out for six weeks or I can't go out for a year, but I could give you three weeks every year or I could give you two weeks every other year. And Frank goes out using his skills as an ophthalmologist running clinics, equipping Burmese and Thai staff that they can carry on the work. And then he comes in and reassesses and acts as a consultant within that particular role. Different ways you can serve, different places you can serve. Let me not just show you pictures of other people. Let me give you personal experience. The hair coloring has changed. I've started putting in highlights since that photograph was taken. But that was us literally before, as a family, we were about to go out to Nepal to serve with InterServe back in the late 1990s. My experience in Nepal when I went out was of going out as a professional teacher, but also serving in the school alongside me were folks who had just qualified, had the only experience they had was literally the placements they'd done. And as a young person, they brought such enthusiasm and energy that I could only envy. But likewise, in the school alongside me were those who had actually retired from teaching. But who said, actually, I've retired from teaching in the UK, but you know, there's, there's still a bit of life in me yet. And I can bring those skills and I can bring that heart for young people and that passion for teaching and I can bring it and put it and use it within a mission context. Do you want to work somewhere different? Do you fancy driving over a slightly different set of hills instead of the Craigantlet Hills from Bangor to Belfast in the morning to work? Do you want to have neighbors that look slightly different from the ones you've got at the moment? Has God given you a heart and a passion for the people of Asia and the Arab world, those people who you see in usually the first, second, and third news item every night at six o'clock. If so, then talk to me. Come and potentially partner with us. Let's begin that journey of discussion of whether or not you're the right for it, for fit for InterServe Organ and whether InterServe Organ is the right fit for you. And if you're not the right fit for us, we will happily steer you towards some other organization where the fit might be slightly better. If you're interested in knowing more, check us out on our website, our Facebook page. Through that, you can click on the On Track page or get through to the On Track page, list all the various opportunities. Pick up one of our leaflets from the stand, the Go magazine. Gives it all the, pr the processes all written there. Gives you some of the examples. Or in quite a, a radical change for this modern technology, you can actually just come and talk to me. And I'll be here all week. Come and speak to me as the mission mobilizer here. That's me. Wherever God's calling you, I trust and pray that you will be open to it and that by the end of this week, you will be a little bit clearer as to the part of the organ or which organ as part of his body he wants you to be part of. Surely.
Okay. Each of the three folks in front of you have some experience uh, in some way of being overseas. And the first question that is going to be for all of them is to tell us who they are, where they're from, what they do, and what their involvement in short-term mission is. So, Impazzo, we'll start with you. It's on, yeah. My name is Mpato Ngurue. I come from Malawi. I work with an organization called Livingstonia Synod AIDS Program, LISAP, that is in the northern part of Malawi, and we do everything which is concerned in HIV and AIDS, that is prevention, treatment, care, and support in the most remote areas of the northern region of Malawi. Can I continue being a Malawian? <laughs> you can. We had a debate about Malawi time and Northern Irish time. Uh, so, Mpatsu, do you have anything else to say on that? What, what, what's your involvement with teams? Uh, my involvement is that most of the times when the teams want to come to Malawi, they do come to us and work alongside with us or work with us or observe what we're doing uh, in the wake of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So as a host of teams, Empatso uh, will be sharing a little bit about that. Claire, the same question to you. Yes. Hello, everybody. I'm not from as far away as Malawi, though I've spent some time there as well. <laughs> but I'm from the hip of Slemish. Um, from a place called Bakna, if you're familiar with it. It's very posh. <laughs> um, and I live at the moment in London with my husband, Amir. I'm currently with Arab World Ministries, but I'm seconded to an organization which Amir set up in 2011 called Hamsaye International. Hamsaye in Farsi means neighbor, which fits in well with what Mark has been talking about. And um, it is our passion uh, to love and work with Farsi speakers. So those from a Muslim background from Iran, Tajikistan and Afghanistan who are mainly living in the UK. And so being quite a new organization, um, we've run summer teams a couple of times. We've just finished one. So that mostly involves folks going to the streets, shopping centers, and so on, and mosques, and engaging with Muslims at that level. But we hope, and hope to open it up a bit more so that folks can come and do a bit of English teaching and a lot more practical things right on your doorstep. Is that okay? That's great. Thank you, Claire. Uh, it's experience then coming from leading those teams, and uh, we'll be sharing with that. Finally, Connor, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Connor, and you can guess where I come from, from my accent. That's Belfast, and I'm 21. I've been living in Edinburgh the past two years because I'm a medical student across there in Edinburgh University, and my involvement with Mission was I was with AIM, Africa Inland Mission, during my gap year after secondary school. And I was out in Uganda um, working with secondary schools and teaching the, some uh, youth people over there for one year. Great. Thanks. Connor will be learning more about your experiences in going overseas as we go through this afternoon. And Patso, first question to you. As a host of teams, what value do teams bring to you and your work there in Equindeni? Uh, I think I should divide that in two. 
I would have divided it into six, but because the Irish time and the Malawi time are not the same, <clears throat> so I will stick to two. I think one of the values that when teams come and they do engage with us, understand what we're doing, and also understand who we are, they are supporters. They do support us in prayer. They do support us in the work that we are doing, like being engaged in the work itself. And of course, they do support us financially. So they have been our supporters in different ways by engaging with us, understanding our work, and understanding what we do and what the issues are on the ground back in Malawi. But the other one would be distractors, I would say. Sorry, but I'll say it. You know, sometimes people would come to Malawi, come to Lisab, and they would have already had the answers to the problems which they don't know. They think they know the problems. But then they are coming from here ready to sort out all the problems which are in Malawi quick fix. And then you are there, you know what your issue is, and somebody is coming, say, I'm going to fix one, two, three, four. And then you are distracted and you say, where am I doing wrong? What was I supposed to do, which I'm not doing? So instead of them bringing value, they take away value from the work that you're doing. I think those are the two, I would say, at the moment, looking at the Irish time. Okay. Well, Empato, thank you. That is very, a very honest answer to that question. Uh, a lot of the times when we think of short-term mission, we think about the good we can do, which is there, but then there's also times where uh, it's not interpreted as good uh, whenever uh, we are received by hosts. So thank you for that insight. Um, hopefully there's more good than destructiveness uh, in uh, things in Equindeni. Oh, yes. <laughs> but then I had to mention the other one as of well course, because people would think it's all good. It's all rosy. So they have to know both sides. There is more good than bad. Yeah. Good. Okay. Claire, probably a nice follow-on from that then is um, as someone who leads teams, what, whenever you're starting to put a team together and you look at team members, what qualities, generally speaking, are you looking for for a team member? Yeah, okay. We probably haven't a huge long list. Um, what we're first of all looking for is someone who has caught that vision. Um, well, in our case, for working with Muslims in Britain, um, often what we find is that people are afraid and they don't know what to do with Islam here. They're even afraid to approach a Muslim. But going back a wee bit, the first thing is that they would have a heart for Muslims and that they would know the Lord and that they would want to share their faith um, with the Muslim on the street. The other fact is that, a bit like what Mpatso said, that willingness to learn from Muslims, because we can read a lot of books and we have our own preconceived ideas, but that willingness to go and sit down in the mosque or stand in the street and first of all listen to where the person is coming from, not only with the words that they say, but 
whatever else is going on in there, what's really going on in their life, and be very prayerful about it. And I'm going to tell you a story in a wee minute um, about a mosque visit. So willingness to learn, vibrant relationship with the Lord, and a willingness to to get on with other team members, and that's essential for us. Um, So if you feel you fit any of those criteria, please do come to London. (laughs) I should finish now. Okay. Um, Thanks, Claire. Connor, you have been overseas. That just doesn't happen all of a sudden. Tell us a little bit about your experience, indeed your journey as God led you to to that moment of, of going overseas and what that was. Okay. Well, my journey in a short term mission happened over a number of years. Um, And there were several key turning points during my secondary school years. I finished secondary school three years ago. Um, Whenever I was about 11 or 12, I was going to church. And I thought about missions as something only very special Christians do, you know, the pastors or the Bible teachers. It wasn't something I could see myself doing very much. Um, And then I thought about it and my mentor, who I started um, meeting whenever I was about 14 years old, explained to me how missionary people are not just people who are uh, Bible teachers or, you know, the special Christians. It's for anybody who's a Christian, and um, any kind of secular degree can be used whenever you're out in missions. And that really intrigued me. I wondered how I could be involved in that. And then what really turned it for me was going on two um, very short trips. One was to Bangladesh, the other to South Africa. And when I was on those trips, God really opened my heart to seeing the need in these countries and all around the world both physically and spiritually. And I wanted to spend a much longer time in these countries, serving in whatever way God would have me do. And before I knew it, I was applying to go to be um, helping in secondary schools with AIM, Africa Inland Mission, and that was in Uganda. And of course, there's many um, barriers, or you might say um, steps to go through before being on missions. And one of the ones I found hardest was fundraising. Asking people for money is one of the most difficult things, I think, to do. But Thank goodness God was in control and um, used the people in my church and my friends to bring the money to me eventually, and I, I was amazed. I raised more than 5,000 pounds, and I couldn't believe that God did this for me because I and myself could never have done that, so I was very thankful. It just shows that God is greater than anything you can think you can do yourself, and I was really encouraged by that. And then I was off to Uganda in September 2011. Great, and we'll come back to Connor at... Uh see the other side of that after coming home in a moment or two. But Impazzo, back to you as a host of teams. Teams come, they spend two to three weeks with you. Sometimes there's people who come for their electives and they spend six months to a year. Time will come when they will leave Equindeni and Malawi and return home. What do you hope they leave with as they depart from their time in Malawi? Firstly, I think they leave with the reality You know, when you are back here, you hear about Malawi, you have so many preconceived ideas about Malawi, both good and bad ideas. So by the time you've lived in Malawi, you have the reality of what Malawi is like. And you know in the end that Malawi is not all that bad. It's the best place to be despite the problems and whatever, I think by the time people leave, I also do believe that they live with the real meaning of joy 
Because if you look at the people of Malawi, for people who have been in Malawi, they may be in lots of problems most of the times, but most of the times you find them very joyful. So they have that real meaning that it's not the things that surround them that could make them happy, but the things that are inside themselves. So I think they live with that value of joy and also the value of being thankful of who you are and what you want to do in life. So all in all, the people now remove that picture which they had in the beginning. And sometimes it can be all bad stories, all bad publicity about Malawi, how corrupt it is, or how bad people are, things like that. And you go there, you are looking for it. I think for most of the people, they've come back saying, this is not the picture which I had of Malawi. I have a very different picture, reality. But those who went with a quick fix idea, I think they come back frustrated because they feel that what they had in mind, they have not accomplished to do because they had their own problems, which are not the problems in Malawi. So that is a big problem if people must live like that. But most of the time, I would say, they come back with the reality, not only reality of whatever they hear, but the reality of life. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Claire, leading teams is more than just the practicalities, trying to cater and accommodate and work out travel arrangements. Uh, yes, it, that consumes the life of a team leader, but also there's a spiritual side to it. So as a team leader, how do you hope to inspire your team members to, to look at mission, not just as something we do and then leave, but actually have that everyday view of what God is doing throughout the world? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I suppose in answering that question, we have to first look at our own hearts as long-term missionaries, that we're still inspired to reach the people that God has called us to and always keep refocusing and loving them and, and being compassionate towards them. And, uh, and then as the team comes, um, you're praying like mad that folk will get the vision. And in the UK, with regard to Islam, as I've spoken in various churches and all, many, many people are afraid um, as I said earlier, they're afraid because of what Muslims wear, um, of all they've heard in the news, and they don't think they're approachable. So part of the structure of the week that we ran was, first of all, to run teaching based on the Bible, then do Muslim Christian apologetics. So what if a Muslim asked you this, asked you this, then what could you answer? So dovetailing that together then, um, summer team members and so on feel confident going out into the streets and feel equipped. But there's no greater inspirational thing than meeting a Muslim up close. And as we took in our evaluation forms at the end of this season, um, the most um, interesting part of the week for folks was to go to a local mosque. And that wasn't even on the program. It was because it was too wet. We couldn't go elsewhere. 
go into the mosque, and I think most of them were terrified at the very thought of it, and many of them had experience in evangelism before. So the ladies went upstairs and sat on the carpet and started to talk um, to the ladies there. And for two hours, they were able to share their faith and listen to what they had to say. And um, then at the end of it, this Muslim girl shared a very personal prayer point with us, which was really the real issue. So it's listening to what they have to say. So yes, I would say it's, uh, it's meeting the people in their own culture and trying to understand them that will inspire you and think, yeah, this is possible. With God, we can do this. Sorry, a bit long-winded, I know. No, Claire, I was going to say... I'm <laughs> I was going to say, Claire, it all sounds very normal. It just sounds like it's, it's normal. Oh, it is normal. Please come and see that it's normal. And I could get into preaching mode here, but it is our absolute passion that um, the church in the UK would wake up and see the spread of Islam. I'm not, I don't want to be a scaremonger, but it's spreading. But apart from that, uh, we have the greatest opportunity on earth. The folks that we work with are from the most closed country on earth, and God is working in them. And because we have the freedom here, we can give them literature. My husband runs a small church for them, and God's saving them. And it's just absolutely amazing. So I wish you could get on board with that and be part of it. Uh, yes, I can see him talking too much. So, yes, but see us later. My husband is over there, so talk to him about it all as well. It's just amazing what God is doing. And we shouldn't be afraid, but we should be excited because this is the opportunity for now. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Connor, you have been and gone, and uh, you're back home. Uh, how has that been? What, how has life been for you since coming back from Uganda? What's your reflections on all of that, and how has it impacted your life now? That's a question I could probably spend days answering, um, but I'll try and condense it down to about three minutes. Um, it's honestly been an amazing journey with God ever since coming back from Uganda, and every year... I find out so many things that God was teaching me or how he changed me that I couldn't have told you at the time I was in Uganda. There's lots of fruit I see coming in my life, all because of Uganda and what God did there. And one of the immediate things that I saw God do was he gave me a much greater passion for evangelism. Um, whenever I went to university the following year, there were times I just wanted to share the gospel with every non-Christian I met, had to control myself a bit better. Um, but I think that was partly because I was living in Uganda, a country that's 85% Christian. So I really appreciated being around non-Christians back in the UK. And also, um, I had lots of time alone with God in Uganda compared to the busy Western culture. And that gave me some time just to meditate on how great the gospel is, how great the good news really is. And that made me want to share it with more people when I came back to the UK. So I praise God for that, and I hope it continues. Um, another thing that God has done, which I've realized over the past year, is he's given me a much greater heart for the nations. I realize more about God's plan for a, a people from every tribe and tongue and nation to worship him. 
and I'm much more aware of the need around the world, especially um, as Mark talked about the 1040 window, praying for missionaries to go to this area of the world and supporting the missionaries and praying for the churches, the very small churches in many of these countries around there. And uh, my dream in the future is to be a long-term missionary to an unreached Muslim people group. And that's what I'm working towards with my uh, medical skills. So I hope that is what God has in store for me. Great. Thank you. And Patso, Claire, Connor, thank you very much for sharing uh, with us this afternoon. We have actually done something very on Malawian, which is finished a minute before we're due to. <laughs> we could give him Patso the microphone. <laughs> she says this was an introduction. Well, maybe so. If you would like to talk to either of them or all of them, they'll be around all afternoon and certainly after we finish. So please do come and chat to them if you want to find out more about what they do or what they have been doing and uh, to chat about them, uh, to chat with them about mission and the different areas they've been involved in. Give them a round of applause, uh, please. Thank you. It's now time for a little break for some coffee. Uh, I'm sure there's some tea as well. That's been served out at the back, so uh, go and uh, help yourself there. And there's also the bookstall to look at and uh, to see uh, if there's things there that can help you on your journey as you listen to what God is saying to you regarding your involvement in mission. At the end of our program today, there's going to be a couple of different folks up at the front here uh, answering some questions that hopefully you're going to ask them. Uh, you have the opportunity to write some questions down on a post-it note or a, a tag here at the front and pin it to the board. Uh, that'll happen during coffee break and then they'll be taken away and sorted through and presented later uh, in our time together. So please do come. If there's any questions uh, that you want to raise about mission, short-term mission, about the opportunities of going, about why you should go, write them down and uh, we'll have a few folks up here hoping to answer them and answer them and help you uh, with those questions. So go now, please, and enjoy your coffee, and we'll be back at 25 to 4. So please, if you can be being in your seats by that time. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.